Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Good. <clears throat> it's good to be in church, even though there's no one here and these, um, it's just, it's, 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 uh, it's hard. But um, we're so glad that we can come into your homes um, on a snowy morning like this. I just peeped out the window there um, just before uh, we, I came up. And uh, I tell you, it's, uh, we would say in our country, it's snowing a rip. So <laughs> it's good to be um, in your homes this morning. Hope you're blessed. Um, just missing church. I'm sure you are. I know I am missing church a lot at this time, um, getting together. I bumped into three of our new mums in the park on Friday morning, and I was thinking on the way back, walking up home, um, how we're going to have to have a mass baby dedication whenever we get back together again. There's so many new babies, so, um, but there you go. We're finishing off our uh, community rhythms this morning. We did this, you know this, we did this on the back of the nine months lockdown um, in, in um, 2020. And we felt that God was, was obviously saying something to us about um, slowing down our pace, about um, maybe not having as busy a dairy and stuff like that. And so we felt that the Lord was really um, ministering something to us. And we um, did this mini series called Prepare the Way, basing it around the um, Hosea 10, 12, about planting good seeds of righteousness, and you'll harvest a crop of love, and then plowing up the hard ground um, of your heart for it is time to seek the Lord, um, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. I think of the verse actually up there we go. And um, a couple of weeks ago, I posed three questions on this verse. Um, how can you plant, how can you go about planting good seeds of righteousness um, that you will harvest, a, harvest a, a crop of love? And how can you go about <clears throat> plowing up that hard soil, that hard ground of your heart, and how can you really seek the Lord? And one of the reasons we're doing the fast at the moment is seeking the Lord at this time, which is really, really important. Now, we started our community rhythms, um, and, and the idea was just to challenge all of us in the rhythms of our lives, because rhythms are really, really important. And we just broke it into three parts. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke to you around um, personal devotion. The aim of that was abiding in the presence of God. And then uh, the three things coming out of that was quiet time. What's going on in your quiet times, i.e. the Bible reading plan that we have put online, Lacto 365, which is a great thing to start the day with my morning devotions at 7 30 each morning starting in John's gospel now um, on uh, Monday morning and then last week Dave um, took us very powerfully through these meaningful relationships talking to us about the aim of giving and receiving loving input and um, he talked about family altar, that weekly prayer and communion together as a family. He talked about the accountable relationships um, of uh, life group meeting fortnightly. And then, of course, that whole reach in, reach out, or welcome in, reach out, welcoming others into our hearts, into our families, into our life groups. And sort of 
challenging you around the sphere of influence that you have. And today, as we finish it off, I'm going to talk to you about the local church. The aim of that is a commitment to the body of Christ, not just a, a building, not just a program, but actually the, the body of Christ. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. And under that, we have... Um, the, 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 the sort of three ideas are the Lord's Prayer. We're encouraging everybody to set your little phone alarm for 12 noon. And when you pray for your five on your My Five card, um, you say the Lord's Prayer. It's a good rhythm. Um, the gathering of the saints, which unfortunately we can't do at the moment, gathering together um, on Sundays. And um, Lord willing, that will come back again, we hope and pray soon hopefully sooner rather than later. And then sacrificial giving, the idea of tithing uh, a minimum, faithfully serving in, and, and in the church and serving in one um, ministry of the church. Now, can I say to you this? Can I say this with all the love in my heart as the father of this house? Can I say this to you, that all of these rhythms are but good works if they're not first and foremost done out of a holy life and out of a pure heart. They're just, they're just rhythms, that's all they are. And they're just works, all right? And what we're doing at this moment in time over these three Sundays is giving you tools um, <clears throat> to develop rhythms in your life. But basically, that's all they'll be unless they're coming out of a heart and out of a life that is pure. Um, we are called to be the church. We're called to be separate. We're called to live separate lives. We're called to be different. Holiness is a word that we don't use that often anymore, but it's a beautiful word. And the, the Bible calls us to be holy. The Lord says, I am holy, so be you holy. Now, he's asking us to be perfect. He's asking us, actually, there's a lovely verse in Ephesians 4, 1, talks about us being chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we may be holy and blameless before him in love. And so it's a very powerful verse. And so it's talking about blamelessness, not perfection. And perfection's got to do with your faculties, all right? And there's no such thing as a perfect person, <clears throat> um, even though you might think you are. Um, but there is blamelessness. And blamelessness has got to do with your motives. And motives don't loads of us have done things with the right motive and got it wrong, all right? And so motive, blamelessness isn't sinlessness, all right? It's um, having that motive of our heart. And so, and the psalmist would ask this question. I think I put this on the screen for you. The psalmist would ask this question in Psalm 24. He would say, who, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Or who can stand in his holy place? And then he answers it in verse 4, and he says, he who has clean hands and a pure heart and who hasn't lifted his soul to an idol are sworn deceitfully. Very powerful. Now, I've told you this story before, but a good story is always worth repeating. And uh, <clears throat> many, many years ago, when I was a boy, when I was about maybe 16, 17, my brother Kenny and I worked in the block yard. We, we worked made blocks in my dad's company, and it was hard work, and we um, enjoyed it. And Kenny and I um, 
developed a, a block grab. Now, this will mean nothing to you. It was just steel and hydraulic rams and hydraulic hoses. And we got the engineer. We sort of developed um, what this might look like and what it would do. It would speed up production. It, would, it basically was a tool to lift the blocks off the floor and stack them in piles. And so we developed this, this block grab. The engineer company told us it wouldn't work. And we thought it would work, and we persuaded him to, them to make it, saying, we, if you'd make it, Dad will pay for it. And, um, and uh, that's what they did. They made it, and it worked. And it, it, it works, and I'm, I, I, it actually works to this very day. We should have patented it, but we didn't. It, but it's still working. And, um, and I was very proud, and I remember going my brother, Alan, who you all know, uh, had a Mazda pickup, and I remember the day I went to lift it in Belagoli in his Mazda pickup, and we brought, I brought it down the road, we attached it to the forklift, and, we, and it worked, and I was so, so proud. This was my invention. This was, I had invented this thing, and it worked, and so I was very proud. But a few years later, on the 2nd of September, 1979, my oldest girl, Lisa, my oldest daughter, was born. And uh, she came into the world at uh, around 20 past five on a Sunday evening. Now, my block grab was my invention, and it did all kinds of things. It squeezed the blocks in, it stacked them up, and it moved around, and it did all those things, and I was very proud of it. But when I held my first daughter in my arms on that Sunday night as a 21-year-old lad, I held my first daughter in my arms, and she started to pump the air with her hands, and her little lungs filled, and she began to cry, and she began to squeal. Been doing it now for over 40 years. I love her. Um, this, this, I, I, when that happened, I, I never thought once about my invention. Because, you see, I was holding my creation. You see, an invention is just something that you use the knowledge of your head to do. A creation is something that you use everything in your heart and your being to create. And so the big question today as we talk about local church is this. Is it an invention or is it a creation? Is it something that somebody invented? Is it something that somebody thought up with their head? Or is it a creation? Is it something that was created? That's the big question. And if you were to ask Joe Average or Mary Average out, Joe or Mary Bloggs out on the street about um, why is the church important, you would probably get a wide range of answers. Some would laugh at the question because for them, the church is not important at all. Others might see the church as a museum. They might say, well, the museum and the church are both sort of work in the past. They're a nice place to visit in a rainy day where you can observe how quaintly people used to live, but they're not really in touch with the modern world. Some might say that. Some might say, some might formulate their answer in a political way, and they would think Catholic or Protestant, especially in our wee country. Some might respond to the question to, 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 that they see the church more as a social institution, that it helps meet the physical needs of the poor and the emotional needs of the lonely and distraught. Others might say it ministers to people at pivotal times in their life, like, like birth or marriage or death or times of crisis. And, and, um, and, and, and the problem is we live in a day in which people actually shop around for church. They shop around for a church where they can actually feel good and where it actually meets their needs. And, um, and maybe they get a weekly boost that enables them to cope with life. 
You see, Jesus loved the church and he's the head of the church and it is Jesus who said these immortal words. This is what he said. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, of all the things that Jesus could have said he would do on planet Earth, of all the things that he could have instructed us what he was going to do, this is the one thing he said he would do. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So for all the views that exist around the globe today about the church and how valid it is, it's my suggestion that every opinion of man and woman is dwarfed by the opinion of what Jesus thinks about the church. And here we are 2,000 years later after Jesus said this thing, we are the church. And, uh, and, and that we are this church that Jesus is building. And millions of people around the world today worship Jesus as Lord, Savior, King, and Master. He is Christ. And um, he is the head of the church. He's the most famous person who ever lived in the history of our world. His name is Jesus. His followers take on for themselves the name Christians or Christ ones or little Christ. Collectively, they comprise what Jesus called the church. So the church is not a building. It's not a club. It's not a program. It's not a committee. It's not man-made. It's not defined in man's terms. It's not a particular worship style or a denomination. Listen to me. The church is the sovereign will of God. It's the purpose of God. And it's the central fact of his will. That's what the church is. And we're part of the church. And I believe the church of Jesus Christ is the most important force in the world today. Its task is more important than all the governments and universities combined. In the world, there is nothing to compare with the church. And because the most significant event of human history was when the living God took on human flesh and lived among us as the Lord Jesus Christ came to bear the sin of the world and establish a church. Why would he do that? Well, let's look at it for a moment. Since he ascended to heaven, the church now reveals him on earth. That's the job of the church. There's a great passage we're going to read in um, in 1 Timothy 3, I have it on the screen um, for you. And this is what it says, all right? The church is important because it reveals Christ, even as Christ reveals God in human flesh. And this is what Paul says to young Timothy, a pastor, and he's leaving him some instruction. He says, I hope to come to you soon. I'm writing to you these instructions so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. Now, that's interesting pen of reading, isn't it? What is the church of the living God? He says, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Beyond all question, the mystery from the, which true godliness springs is great. And then he says this of Jesus. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, and was taken up in glory. I love this quote from David Watson. Um, it's a little bit lengthy, but stay with me on it. It's an incredible quote. This is what Watson says. He says, it is the church that is willing to die to worldly standards that will know the power of Christ's resurrection. He says, it may be envied for its depths of loving relationships or for its spontaneous joy. It may be hated and persecuted for its revolutionary lifestyle, exposing the hollow values and destructive selfishness of the society it seeks to serve. 
but it certainly cannot be ignored. He says, when God reigns among his people, they become a city on a hill that cannot be hid. I love that. That is a great quote. The Lord wants us as his people to catch a vision of, of something that cannot be compared to this incomparable importance of the church and its role revealing the risen, ascended Christ. In order to catch that vision, we must understand the significance of who Jesus is. Jesus Christ was God come in flesh. We're reminded of that, aren't we? In, 1 John, or in John 1, 14, he became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And in our text, Paul tells Tim Timothy the purpose for his writing, namely so that God's people would know how to conduct themselves as the members of God's church. Paul's point in verse 16 is that Jesus reveals the Father to us, right? And the connection then between verse 16 and 15, the one before it, is that Jesus reveals God, so the church then reveals Christ to the world. That's our job. It's great we can help the poor. It's great we can give 30 um, laptops into the schools to help underprivileged kids. Those are great things to do. Those are great things that the church do. But the main job of the church is to display Christ to the world. And I think that's the sort of things that if Jesus was here on earth, he would do. And so that's our job. That's our job. And so when I refer to the church, I mean, of course, God's people, the people of God, not a building. And Paul shows us the importance of this in three things. He makes three little statements in this that we're going to look at really quickly. And that's all we're going to do this morning, because this is really important, not this talk too much around, but just to lay the truth of who we are. This is who he says. He says we are the household of God. That's what he calls the church, the household of God. Now, the household of God just means God's house. <laughs> That's what it means, the household of God. The term views the church as the extended family of God. If you're part of the church, and I don't mean a church, if you're part of the body of Christ, you belong to the household of God. He is your father, and you are part of his household. And, and, and with God as the head of that household, it mainly focuses on the relationships which should be built amongst those in the church that should reflect Christ to the world. That, again, is our job, all right? By this shall all men know, John said in 1335, he says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you feed the poor, that you go to church, all of it. No, 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 he says, this is how they'll know. They'll know it, that you love one another. Do you love your brothers and sisters? Or do you spend time dissecting them? Because the main truth and love of the church and what the world should say is that we love one another. Folks, we should love one another. I am not saying we need to move in and live together, but we should love one another. The church is the household of God. The second thing he says is this. He calls it the church of the living God. I, I, I'd never noticed this before, and I, this week it caught me. I, I, it's just this, this little phrase. He doesn't simply say the church of God. He, he says the church of the living God. That is, the church is a place where the living God actually lives. God lives 
in his church. It's the church of the living God. He lives in his people. We have become the dwelling place of God. That's why the apostle Paul could write to the church in Colossae in his first chapter and say, Christ in me is the hope of glory. Not Christ around me, not the Christ that goes with me, but Christ in me is the hope of glory. The church of the living God. The church is of vital importance in the world today because we are called out of this sinful world as a holy people in close relationship with God, all right, who dwells in our midst. And he dwells in our midst. That's why we come together to worship him to worship him. We're not worshiping wood or stone. We're not uh, even worshiping a dead savior. We're worshiping a risen, glorified Lord who's seated at the right hand of his father. This world should sense that the living God is here. It's not an institution that you join. It's a relationship that you get caught up in. And And the world needs to know that. The world needs to know that, and the world needs to sense that. And when the world begins to sense that God is in the house, I tell you, there is nothing that will stop them coming. Nothing, no devil, no, the gates of hell cannot prevail against this thing. And the third thing Paul would say about it, he would say, it's the pillar and support of the truth. Imagine that, that, that we, let's, let's, let's not compromise on this. Let's not sell it short, all right? Because we are, we are called to be the household of God, the church of the living God, and the pillar and support of the truth of God. That's why the church is important, because God has left it here to reveal his son to the world, even as Jesus revealed God when he was here on earth. And as the household of God, the church of the living God, the pillar of support and truth, we are the current expression of Jesus Christ in the world until he comes. And I don't know about you, but I think that is a staggering job description. That is a staggering job description. Nothing could be of greater importance. Maybe you've been turned off by bad experiences in church where God dwelled in name only, but not in reality. But you need to grasp a new vision. Don't let that off set you to what the church is supposed to be and who it's supposed to be. You need to grasp a new vision of what God intends for his church to be locally expressed, all right, and commit yourself to that church. That's what you're supposed to do. And can I add that scripture reminds us how God looks very dimly on people who don't revere the church. And I've heard people talk badly about the church and about God's people. But I'm telling you, I'm issuing you a warning from Scripture today. You dare not do that. That is dangerous ground. Dave led us in communion this morning very powerfully. But let me just remind you what Paul said. All right, now we we read about the the bread showing us about the broken body of the Lord. We we talk about the cup um, referring to the blood that was shed and those things are right. But look what Paul says. He goes on and he says this. He says, for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why, listen to what he says. That is, now he's talking, this isn't Old Testament, by the way. This is a New Testament church. All right, this is Corinthians. All right, this is why many are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. That, that means died. 
So the reason some were sick in the Corinthian church, some were weak, and some had actually fallen asleep was they were not discerning the Lord's body. Now, it's interesting, that little phrase, discerning the Lord's body, is very powerful, all right? And there's some things worthy of a study, all right? And I think about the discerning the body means that, uh, and I've no, no doubt that it suggests um, it, it, it can refer to what we think of Christ. There is no doubt about that. But I also think it has major implications on recognizing the relationship between Christ, who is the head of the church, and the body of Christ, who is the members of the church, known as the church. In other words, we must see Christ in our fellow Christians and treat them as we would treat Jesus when we come together. It's, it's, it, it's just... And so what was happening in the Corinthian church, some were thinking they were worthy of it and others weren't. And they were saying, well, what, what they're all breaking bread. What, what, I, I seen them do this this week and I seen them do that this week and I seen them coming out of somewhere and they're up taking communion. And all the time, the, the Bible saying, let a man examine himself and then come and eat. <laughs> but we're so busy examining everybody else we forget about examining ourselves. And so is the church. To be this church is to be holy, is to discern the Lord's body, is to treat others in love. By this shall all men know, here we go again, that you're my disciples, that you love one another. When Jesus was leaving earth, and I'm finishing very shortly. When Jesus was leaving on earth, he gave us what we know as the Great Commission. It's a powerful statement. Um, um, and this, I, I, when I talk about it often, I talk about delegated authority. And here it is, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. It says, when Jesus came to them, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So it's a bit like Jesus saying to the disciples, he's gathering them together and he's saying, here's authority. It's all been given to me. I hold all authority. I hold the gates, uh, the keys of, of death and hell. I've got all authority. I took it back when uh, he, he raised from the dead, when he bore the sin of the world and brushed the bonds of death asunder by rising from the dead. He says, all authority it belongs to me. And then he says, now go you. And he delegates that authority to people that he gave it to before in the Garden of Eden and they squandered it. He gave it, he gave us a second chance. He gave it to the church. He gave it. He says, now go you uh, uh, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the world, the end of the age. I think that passage is never more poignant than it is at this day and this very hour in which we live. I read a great story, the great composer, um, Puccini, whose operas, they reckon uh, number one in the world um, for his opera writing. And um, he was stricken with cancer in 1922, and he was determined to write a, a, his final opera. Um, Torando, I think it's, it's pronounced Torando or Torando. Some consider it his best piece of work. And his students implored him to rest because he was ill to save his strength. But he persisted, remarking at one point, if I do not finish my music, my students will finish it. 1924, Puccini was taken to Brussels to be operated on. He died two days after his surgery. But his students actually did finish his final work. 
And in 1926, when the gala premiere was being held in Milan, under the baton of Puccini's favorite um, student, Toscanini, um, all went brilliantly that evening. But when they came to the point in the score where the master had been forced to put down his pen, Toscanini, face wet with tears, stopped the production, put his baton down, turned to the crowd, and cried out, Thus far the master wrote, and then he died. Thus far the master wrote, and then he died. He faced the audience for a few seconds with tears running down his face. He bowed his head in silence for a few seconds, and then he lifted his face, and he, he gave a big smile with tears, his face wet with tears, and he lifted the baton again, turned the face to orchestra, and shouted out, but his disciples finished his work. Can I say our master died, ascended to the Father, died, was raised again, ascended to the Father, leaving us the most important task in the world to finish his work. The work which he began, his work, to proclaim a great salvation amongst the nations. Is it any wonder we call it the Great Commission? And to do it, all of us must commit ourselves to living relationship with the living God. We must commit ourselves to one another as members of God's household. And we must commit ourselves to know and to live by and if needed to die by defending the truth. That's who the local church is. Invention versus creation. Is it something that somebody thought up with the knowledge of their head? No, 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 no. Is it something that was invested with the very nature of who you are? And who God is, yeah, creation. I hope you see the huge importance of the local church. We are the body of Christ. Years ago when my kids were small, I don't know if you've had a a family car theme. We We had a theme song every time we went in the car. My girls and Philly will be laughing now if they're listening to this. And we would sing, um, we are the body of Christ. It was one of Salty's um, numbers, if you're old enough to remember Salty. And here's the way the course went. And not sing it. The girls are screaming now, I'm sure. We are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Together, bringing his love to the world. We work together. We work together. We do it with cooperation. We work together. We work together. We do it with cooperation. And Salty would add. Amen, 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 amen. We are the body of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the job that you've left us to do. May we do it, God, with great skill. May we handle this word with great honor. But may we handle it with great care. May we live our lives in the delicate balance of somewhere between heaven and earth, knowing that you've called us to a higher realm. God, may we honor you as you have honored us. 
by giving your only well beloved son paying the price for our sin and leaving us with this great commission to win the world for you may we do it with great pride in Jesus name Amen. I hope you've enjoyed our community rhythms. Um, our commitment to the local church is just, we're suggesting pausing at noon to pray for your five and say the Lord's Prayer. Gathering, I know it's not easy at the minute and there's so much maybe things happening in the home when you're watching, but try and stay with us this hour on a Sunday morning. Try to jump on to our Zooms. People say I don't like Zoom or our fortnightly prayer meetings. I don't like Zoom either, but thank God for us at this moment in time or we'd see nobody. And thank you for your faithful giving. As Dave has rightfully said today, just to thank you for your sacrificial giving and may you continue to do so. The Lord bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.